Amen. Well, you can be seated. Sorry about that transition there. We had somebody else slated to do welcome this morning, and they are not well. So I'm here again this morning. My name is Meredith. My husband, Claude, and I are the lead pastors of this wonderful church. We love you guys so much. I'm not sure I turned off my microphone over here. I better just check that. Got it. Um, and speaking of people being sick, it's good to see many of you that were that have been sick over these weeks. And we know there's so many people out, uh, many people watching online. Um, but good job being here today, even in the face of bad weather and a storm. Um, we're all going to make it home in plenty of time. It's going to be great. Um, Welcome to all of you joining us online later in the week. We're so happy that you're joining us. Um, and welcome to any guests in the room that might be here today. We are so thankful to see your faces and meet you. If there's any way that we can serve you today and make your first time here, um, all that more comfortable, we're happy to do that. Um, if you are here and you're a guest or you're just here and you have information to update, we would love for you to share your information with us. We're not the type of church that's going to hunt you down and stalk you. Uh, we just really want your feedback is, is the deal there. And so, um, and also if you need to update your information, we'd love that because from time to time we send out emails and stuff and mailings and we just want to make sure that we know how to reach you if you would like to be reached. Um, there are a couple ways that you can share your information with us. There's info cards uh, in the, at the info center and in the back of the room, you can do that. Um, you can also do that on our website and you can do that electronically on our YouVersion app. Um, there are instructions on the screen and how to use that. The app is also, use, also useful. It's tough to say, apparently. For you to follow along during the message, um, you can take notes, your own notes right on it if you would like. Um, you can follow along, get the scripture references, all that good stuff. You can also give right on the app there if you would like. Other ways to give are through our website on the Give tab or in the offering box in the back. Um, we love to be generous here at Centerway. We don't shy away from talking about money. It's not that we're trying to get yours. It's that we want you to know the freedom of living and um, and managing your money God's way. And so we would encourage you to be generous and give. Um, if you have questions, ideas, if you have feedback, this is for anybody, not just guests, if you need prayer. One of the great ways to reach out to us would be connect at centerwaychurch.com. Just email us. We check that throughout the week, and we would love to connect with you if there's any way that we can serve you. Um, there are some other ways to connect throughout the week. We create wallpapers for the phones that have the application question from the week on there, and it's just a good reminder throughout the week. Um, just so you know, we had so many people connect this week and just say that they were applying the text from last week and just the change that it's making in their life. And um, I think a big part of that is just remembering um, that there's something there to do, that the text really does require something of us. So those wallpapers are great. We also have a Spotify playlist, and we're singing a new song this morning in the response set, so it might just be a great way for you to hear it and listen again. You can also connect with us on social media, or you can connect with our Monday, Wednesday, Friday devotionals. They're always posted on our website, but you can also subscribe to them. If you'd like, you can visit the message page of the website for those type of resources. You can always take next steps. Um, there's always next steps to be had. The church is not just here on a Sunday. The church is really the church all throughout the week. And so you can be taking next steps. You can serve. You can get spiritually coached. Um, you can get water baptized. You become a Centerway steward. A lot of that information is on the next steps page of our website or at the next steps booth out there. Um, we just want to note that tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, um, and it's also unique because it's, um, I believe, the only federal holiday that's been designated a day of service. And so um, we just want to point out that we're so grateful for the strides that have been taken in our country for racial equality and the people that have spoken up through that. And at Centerway, we firmly believe that the thing that changes a person's heart is the gospel. And so we're going to continue to preach the gospel, and we're going to continue to advocate for people. Um, but we just want to point that out. And we also want to encourage you, we always talk about serving here. 
But tomorrow, I know many of us might be, I don't know, at home, snowed in, whatever. But maybe you can find ways to serve. And certainly, if you are looking for ways to serve, um, much like many people that have inspired us, Martin Luther King Jr. included, but um, from a biblical perspective, God has blessed you and given you spiritual gifts. And one of those outlets to use those spiritual gifts is the local church. That's his design for you um, to be using those gifts and, and stewarding them and exercising those gifts. And so certainly shovel a neighbor's driveway and find ways to serve your coworkers. That is good too, but find a way to serve here at church. Um, we would love to help you if you have any questions about that. Uh, here's what to expect for the rest of the gathering today. I'm gonna pray and then Brian's gonna come and read the scripture text for today. Then Claude's gonna be communicating from the Bible, and then the team's going to come back up, and we're going to respond through the word to the word through singing. So let's pray together. God, we really are grateful um, that you have set us free, <laughs> that we're the rescued ones, like that song says. We are your rescued ones, and we're so thankful, God, for um, what you have done and the way you've, you've sent Jesus to rescue us. We thank you, God, that we get to gather in your presence today. We know that your presence changes everything. And so I just pray that we, you would help us all to come with open hands and open hearts and to receive the word with great joy today and respond accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hi, everyone. My name is Brian, and I'll be reading our scripture for today. Uh, you can follow along on the screens uh, beside me. I'm just going to trust that Elisa and Joe will get that up there. Um, you can also follow along in the scripture journals. If you don't have one, uh, I believe they're in the back, and uh, help yourself to one. Um, today's scripture is from Ephesians 1, verse 11 through 14. I always keep an eye on Claude to make sure I get the reference right, because if I wasn't, that would be really bad. Okay, Ephesians 1, 11 through 14. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who was the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Thanks, Brian. He was a little bit unsettled about the punctuation of uh, that chunk of scripture, and uh, I explained to him that's because of the uniqueness of what's being read. I'll get to that in just a moment, but first I just want to uh, reiterate that we're continuing in our series, Essential, and today's um, message in particular is entitled Hope. So we're going to be talking about hope. Um, and as I just alluded to, uh, verse 14 actually marks the conclusion of an extremely long Greek sentence that actually began in verse 3. So uh, the Apostle Paul has some pretty epic run-on sentences, and uh, if you look at this one in the original Greek, it's it's actually from verse 3 all the way until verse 14 is one entire sentence. <laughs> he would not have done well in English class. Um, but what began in, uh, in verse 3, like I said, is actually broken up into three different sections. And so today, we're going to unpack the third and final section of, uh, of that verse. And so with verse 11, the emphasis has actually kind of changed from what God has done which is what's expressed in what's called the active voice in Greek. And uh, now it talks about what believers receive from God. 
And so that's expressed in what's called the passive voice. And the reason why I share that with you uh, is because it's important to understand that there's a, a, a passive voice being used there because it's further clarifying the fact that we can do absolutely nothing to earn a relationship with God. God has done it for us. It's a, it's a passive thing. And so uh, we like to try to earn things. Um, and as we've heard uh, just a moment ago, as Brian so eloquently read, um, Paul likens it to actually an inheritance, an inheritance. Now, I don't know if you've ever received an inheritance. Um, I have not received any like significant inheritance. I've heard those stories of people finding out that they have been bequeathed. That's a fun word, right? Uh, astronomical amounts of money or homes or vehicles or whatever. If you're here and you're a person with possessions and you're like, I'd love to bequeath. I'm right here, brother. Come on. Enlighten me. Uh, no, uh, I've, I've never really experienced that and I'm always happy for people that do. Um, the closest I've kind of come to that was uh, actually shortly after my wife and I were married, my, uh, my father said that my grandmother, his mother, wanted to uh, wanted to talk to us. And so she actually gave us a small sum of money. And it wasn't um, it wasn't a significant amount. I mean it was it was significant in the sense that she could have given us nothing. Uh, but she was she wasn't uh, a woman of significant means. She has since passed on, but um, she wanted to give essentially her inheritance while she was still alive. And so she wanted to give a portion of money to all of her grandchildren and to her kids. And we were blown away. We were super humbled by it. Uh, it was surprising. Um, and uh, it, was, it was an exciting thing. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. But I wanted uh, to, to ask you a question as we move into the text today. And the question is this, what do you do with something you didn't earn? What do you do with something you didn't earn? Now, this is a different uh, kind of difficult question because as humans, <laughs> if we're honest, we like to think that in some way we deserve any type of positive thing that comes our way, you know? Like, obviously. I mean, everybody's been getting stuff, but we have been getting the short end of the stick and finally something good happens to us. We deserve it. Finally, something's going our way. Uh, we love it. We don't question it. We just get really excited about it if and when it ever happens. The, the reality is life is hard. And when something unexpected happens that benefits us, we rarely think about whether or not we've earned this. You know, we just celebrate it. Hashtag blessed, right? We love it. Can't believe it. So excited. Things are going our way. So with that in mind, I want you to consider what you've done or what you would do if you received something that you did not earn. Now, I don't mean a gift for a birthday or a holiday or something like that. I'm talking about specifically what Paul is talking about here and what I already explained with the, the brief story about my grandmother. I'm talking about an inheritance, some form of inheritance while that person is alive, a parent, a grandparent. What would you do? What would you do? I want to tell you what I think you'd do. And the reason why I have a thought as to what it is that you do um, is because from my observations, there's kind of a typical response when that happens. I've had the unfortunate um, or in some cases, uh, honorable position of being on, at people's 
bedsides when they're in their last days and they decide to bring loved ones in to the hospital room and, and, uh, or into their home and, and give them something, whether it's a, some form of a jewelry or something like that or some type of financial blessing. And uh, I've observed things as well as what it is that I experience personally when an inheritance is being given. And uh, this is what is typical. What's typical is we refuse it. Almost across the board, when someone is being given something in that type of setting, there's a refusal that takes place. It sounds something like this. I can't take that. It's yours. There's no way. I I just, I can't. I appreciate it, but I can't take that. And then there's something along the line of, are you sure? Right? There's almost like a hesitation of taking something that we haven't earned. In essence, we refuse what we feel we haven't earned. And across the board, this loved one insists. They always insist and say, no, I want you to have it. I absolutely want you to have it. And what's interesting is what typically takes place next. In just about every situation, it's a question. The question is this, what do you want me to do with it? Every time. They say something as they're receiving, okay, what do you want me to do with this, Grandma? What do you want me to do with it, Dad? What do you want to take place with what it is you're giving me? Listen, there's a sense of stewardship that comes with inheritance. It's an awareness that what you have is not actually yours. It's a stewardship. A desire to earn what's given followed by a sense of stewardship. Almost everyone, when in this setting, that wants to give that inheritance, says something like this. I just want you to enjoy it. It's yours. It's yours. And if you've experienced anything like that, you know what I'm talking about. I've almost given like the cliff notes to that conversation. It happens time and time again. They just say, I want you to enjoy it. It's yours now. And then there's followed with joy and tears and an embrace and just an amazing moment where someone is given something unexpected. I wonder, what about our spiritual inheritance? What does it look like? What does that look like spiritually? How do we respond? If we look at the, the sections of the beginning of this verse, all the way back to verse three, We've been on a journey, a journey laying a a theological groundwork, if you will, where we've talked about how we're adopted and how we're actually redeemed. And now, as an adopted, redeemed son or daughter of the living God, we now walk in an inheritance. All the more unbelievable, right? We don't deserve this. And so we pick it up in verse 11. It says this, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. In him, in him, the focus remains Jesus. The focus still remains Jesus. It's still all about him. It says we have obtained an inheritance. And what's interesting is we have obtained an inheritance is actually one Greek word. I love when it comes to biblical languages, how you can have one word and it means a sentence. Like that's my kind of language. So we have obtained an inheritance is one Greek word that's actually in the aorist tense. And what that means is that it's an event that is referring to a previous event. So it, it happens, in other words, this is taking place 
we have obtained an inheritance because of something that has already happened in the past. Our inheritance is based on something that's already taken place. Get this. Believers are simply recipients of the benefits accomplished through the life, work, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's done for all humankind. And now some of us, our response is to try to earn what we can't. Like, oh, I get it. I get it. Like, oh, God set me free, so let me earn it. I'm gonna be the best Christian ever. That's as absurd as looking at your grandmother and being like, thanks, grandma, I'll take it. But only if I can be the best grandson ever. She's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm giving this to you. You can't earn it. I'm giving it to you now. It's, it's yours. No, 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 I'm gonna earn it. That's what we do in Christendom. I'm gonna earn it, God. I'll show you. I'm gonna behave. I'll be the absolute best. We absolutely don't understand the dynamic taking place. And then secondly, the question would be, are you living with a sense of stewardship? Are you living with an awareness that that which you possess is not your own? That your health, your, your time, your talent, even the breath in your lungs are a gift from God? Are you filled with joy every day, with an awareness of, of gratitude? I can't believe God has given me what he's given me. Let's read on. Verse 12 says, So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Hope in Christ. Hope in Christ. This word hope. Christ followers hope because of the work of God in Christ. This is a super important word with profound implications. And when we talk about something as kind of simple as hope, we need to understand that it's, it means something different than we think. In English, hope means something different than biblical hope. I'll explain. In English, hope carries a level of uncertainty. I'll give you an example. I hope the dolphins stop losing. I can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. It's so painful. I hope the Orioles win a pennant, right? I, yeah, thanks. <laughs> I hope for all of my sports teams to just not be embarrassing. But every year I hope, and my hopes are dashed, right? I hope we can go somewhere. I hope we can do this. I hope the storm misses us tonight. You know, we say hope in the English, and it, it's almost equivalent to I wish, right? It's almost this idea like, I wish, I hope. Like, it's a level of uncertainty. Man, I hope things work out. I hope we can. But get this, the biblical word means the exact opposite of that. It means the exact opposite. Listen, this is huge. Biblical hope is intentionally shaping the way you live now because of what you are certain will take place in the future. Let me say it one more time. Biblical hope is intentionally shaping the way you live now because of what you are certain will take place in the future. I worked, uh, I worked concrete for a time, a lot of concrete, and I was much younger and did not realize the long-term devastation of working with concrete. But uh, I worked with concrete and kind of enjoyed it. And a friend of mine had a job kind of lined up 
And he told me that we needed two guys to run wheelbarrows and kind of do some of the grunt work while we did a lot of the finish work. And, um, and so I said, okay, what do you need? Do you want me to find two guys? He goes, no, how about you find one guy and I'll find a guy and we'll just bring him. I said, okay, fine. How much are we going to pay them? And he said, I've got $200 set aside, so we'll give 100 bucks to each of them. I was like, all right, cool. So I went and uh, I knew a guy, and so I went over and told him, listen, um, I'd love for you to help out with concrete if you're available, and here's the deal. We're going to give you 100 bucks. And so you work, and you turn this job into a four-hour job. You're going to make 25 bucks an hour. You work really hard and you turn it into a two-hour job and we're ready to let you go, you'll make 50 bucks an hour. Like, this is what you make of it, but we're giving you 100 bucks. And uh, he was ecstatic. And so my guy showed up. He was more than grateful to be there and ready to work. In fact, he worked like a bull and he was incredibly grateful. And as you can imagine, he was trying as hard as he could to turn this into a two-hour day so he'd make 50 bucks an hour. The other guy, the other guy that my friend got was miserable. He was dragging like crazy. He was complaining about the heat. He was complaining about the weight of his wheelbarrow as if concrete is light. I don't know what he anticipated. Uh, So he was just completely complaining and frustrating the whole time. And so my friend kind of pulls me aside and says, dude, what did you tell your guy? Like, what what are you talking about? He goes, he keeps thanking me. Did you tell him we're going to give him a car or something? Like, why, why is he like so excited to be here? It's kind of creepy. And so I just looked at him and I told him, I said, I just told him that if he worked his butt off, like he could do this in like two hours and make 50 bucks an hour. We were going to give him a hundred bucks. And uh, he's like, oh, good idea. I'm like, why? What'd you tell Lazy McLazington over there? <laughs> he's like, oh, I told my guy that we were going to give him 10 bucks an hour. And I just figured I'd surprise him with more at the end of the day. Like, I figured if we got it done sooner, I'd just tell him, hey, here's 100 bucks. And I just figured he'd show up and work hard. He was miserable because the whole time he was thinking, I can't believe I agreed to make 10 stupid bucks an hour doing this slave labor. (laughs) His entire mindset was different than the mindset of the guy I had welcomed there. Get this, same job, but they believed in different futures. Think about that. Same exact job, same amount of suck, if you will, right? Like just absolute gutting it out, but they believed in different futures. Listen, the attitude, work ethic, joy, totally different because one had what the Bible calls hope. Hope. He knew he was walking away with a hundred bucks. So he's gonna work as hard as he could. He couldn't believe he had the opportunity. Don't miss it. Their current reality was shaped by what they were certain about in the future. Their current reality, we need to understand hope because our current reality is shaped by what we are certain about in the future. That's why the COVID season is so devastating on some level because people's level of certainty is all rocked and confused and so they're striving and there's frustration. Why? Because their future is uncertain. It's exhausting. Hope is essential. Hope is essential. As humans, we are very influenced by our view of the future. Very influenced by, the view, by our view of the future. Non-Christians and some Christians who have lost perspective strive and stress about the here and now. They strive and stress about the here and now because they believe the here and now defines 
their future. Their joy at best is fleeting. It's fleeting. Why? Because their future is uncertain. Their future is what they make of it. And so if it's what they make of it, then they better work hard. They better navigate. They better situate. It it better be, I get into this school. I connect with these friends. I date that person. I get this job. I get that promotion. I avoid this. I avoid that. Why? Because the future is what I'm making of it. But a Christian's hope isn't rooted in the comfort of here and now. They aren't shocked by difficulties in this life. And guess what? Their hope isn't attached to this world. It's simply not attached to this world. So they have peace that's beyond understanding. They have the fruit of their life is joy. It's almost like people are confused by the level of peace and joy that's evident in and through their lives. Their hope isn't attached to this world. Do you see it? Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference between the two? Same jobs, same struggles of life, same difficulties, but different views of the future. Different views of the future. Paul makes it crystal clear. He goes on in verses 13 through 14. He says, in him, meaning Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So the Holy Spirit is the guarantee. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee. In the Greek, this is a a noun that means deposit or our first installment, a down payment, if you will. It's what's to come. So it's an initial payment for what is to come. In fact, this word is not even a word used typically in theology. It's a word used in Semitic loans, Semitic loans. And it means an amount of money that is given when there's a deal that is being made. And it's the type of money that if the purchase is not completed, that money is forfeited. It's gone. If it's paid in the future, then it's a certain guarantee. Okay, so it's money that is lost if it's not followed through on. And so what the text is saying is that believers are being spiritually redeemed, that we are already set free from the penalty of sin, but not yet from its presence and temptations. So let's keep our hope and remain in proximity to Jesus so that we can walk in that inheritance so that we can experience the reality and the benefits of the inheritance that is in the future. If we put it all together, we know that because of the work of Jesus on the cross, the purchase has been completed. So scripture says the Holy Spirit is literally a deposit, a little bit of heaven in each of us. The first installment of our future inheritance It's talking about the Holy Spirit sanctifying us. Now, sanctification, it might sound like a theological SAT word. Sanctification simply means the process of becoming holy. And so what Paul is saying here is that, listen, your sanctification, your level of holiness happens immediately at salvation and is ongoing, that it's a process. In fact, Romans 8, when he begins to talk further about this idea of redemption, he clarifies that even our bodies will be redeemed along with all creation. You see, our hope is not in avoiding hell. 
<laughs> I grew up thinking like, my hope is that I don't go to hell. Come on, Jesus, get it done. I'm a really bad guy. Like, make stupid decisions all the time. Stupid, stupid. And so my hope was, I thought was this idea of avoiding hell. But our hope is in the guarantee of all creation. Romans says, a new heaven and new earth, that both spiritually and physically we will be redeemed, that there will be no more tears, no more death, no more sadness or suffering, that everything sad will come untrue, I think is the way the Jesus Storybook Bible says it. We need to pray that the Spirit opens the eyes of our heart because without hope, only today defines us. That's exhausting. That's hopeless. If you're experiencing a sense of hopelessness, if you're wondering, how does this world even matter? What does my life even amount to? What you're talking about is a lack of understanding the hope that is available in your inheritance. You're living on this plane. It's hopeless. I want to tell you, there's no reason to live in hopelessness. We must look for the redeeming work of God in our lives so that we don't lose sight of the inheritance. That's how you readjust your perspective. That's how you get your eyes off this plane and the worries and the cares of this world. We have to daily find our joy in the work of his hand in our lives and be willing to reflect upon his faithfulness in seasons where we felt hopeless and we look back and say, oh, God was with me. He stayed right beside me. He walked alongside me in the midst of the darkness and the difficulty. He was actively redeeming every situation of my life. And so I want to to challenge you as we think about this text this week and leave this place before we respond this afternoon. Instead of asking you a question in the context of application, I want to challenge you with a statement. And it's this. I want to challenge you to reflect and share with someone an experience that God has redeemed. Reflect and share with someone an experience that God has redeemed. That's how we get our perspective off this plane. We start to see the faithfulness, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others around us. The people will begin to share the narrative of God in their life and say, listen, I was here, But look at what God did. He intervened. And I just, I want to share that with you. I want to encourage you with that. And maybe it looks like with your kids around a dining room table. Maybe it looks like uh, on the car ride home or a phone call. I don't know necessarily what it looks like, but I want to challenge you to consider that the text requires something of you. And it's more than to simply acknowledge the inheritance that you have. Although, if you leave with only that, it is paramount. (laughs) If you leave this place with hope, I think it's paramount. But if you're able to extend, extend that sense of hope by seeing God's redeeming work in and through your lives. In fact, I wanna welcome you, if you would, just bow your heads and if you'd like, you can close your eyes or you can keep your eyes open and look at the floor if you'd like. Just don't want anybody to be distracted as the team makes their way back up and we consider this application today. For some of us, as you reflect and you think about what God has redeemed, you're cognizant of maybe the hopelessness of your own life. You're aware that, you know what? 
maybe I've been living to try to work out my own salvation. Or as much as I say I acknowledge the redeeming work of God, I live as if I am in charge of working this thing out. And so maybe right now, God is redeeming you. Maybe right now is the beginning of your story of redemption. And so I want to challenge you today, if you have not come in relationship with Jesus Christ, if you have not fully surrendered your life to him, maybe now is the time. And it doesn't have to be a a specific prayer or certain words. Wherever you find yourself, whether it's in this room or online or listening later on in the week, wherever you find yourself, just pray a prayer acknowledging the price that Jesus paid for your sin. Ask him to forgive you. Be the Lord and leader of your life. Ask that you be aware of the inheritance that he's laid out before you. A relationship with Jesus Christ is the beginning of hope. It's the beginning of a different perspective, of living your life differently. Same job, same heartache, same difficulty, just different perspective on the future. Hope. It's essential. For others of us, I want to challenge you to consider reframing your life with an eternal perspective. It's so easy to get wrapped up in the things of this world and and be captured with a sense of hopelessness. But would you reflect? Would you reflect and share with someone? Maybe it means journaling and just writing down God's faithfulness, the way he has redeemed seasons of your life where you, you saw no hope and yet God was present. And allow it to be something that you read over and be like ointment to your soul. For others of us, if you say, listen, I realize that God has redeemed me and, and I have a constant eternal perspective. Then to you, I would challenge, what does it look like to reflect and share with someone what God has done in redeeming you as a missional approach? To have spiritual influence in your coworkers, your friends, your family, your sport team members, whatever you find yourself in, whatever circle of influence you find yourself in, that you would be a person that talks about God's redeeming work, not in some weird, creepy way, but in a way that brings hope when you see someone that's hopeless, a way that speaks truth in the midst of the lies of this world. Let's pray together before we respond in worship. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you that that you're just a snapshot of the fullness that God intends in the redeeming work of a new heaven and new earth, Lord, as you're doing all things new. You're making all things new. Father, I pray that we would lift our eyes above the worries and cares of this world and that we would have the essential bedrock of hope that our future is sure because of who you are and what you've done and that would bring us joy, that we would walk in that inheritance today, speaking your praises and reflecting on your redeeming work in and through our lives. We worship you in spirit and in truth.
Let's worship together, the Lord. Would you stay with us? You give life.
Jesus. Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. I feel like I feel like that's a word for some of us today that that Jesus is the only one that that truly sees us. It's so easy to think that that maybe if we can be seen and if we can really be seen by somebody for who we are and really be loved, that somehow that is what life is about, that that is where hope lies. But, but Jesus is the only one that sees us. That's it. And so we can spend our life searching and we will be hopeless and desperate and striving. But if we just surrender to Jesus, the only one that truly knows us, that knows the darkest, deepest recesses of our thoughts and, and still loves us and calls us child and says, I have an inheritance for you. bedrock of what we need to understand and allow to sink deep into our hearts so we don't fall victim to the lies and the hopelessness of this world. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we are grateful that we are seen by you and that we are loved in spite of being seen by you. God, your word says that while we were your enemy, you died for us. You know the wickedness and the depravity of our, of our hearts and minds, and yet you, you love us. You forgive us. You redeem us. You place your Holy Spirit within us. Lord, would you continue to do a work in and through our lives, God? We surrender all that we are, and we acknowledge the redeeming work that has been present all the days of our life. We pray, Father, that you would bring it to the surface of our hearts and minds so that we can decipher between truth and lie and we can be people that live filled with hope and joy with a future. We thank you, Lord. Protect us as we go our separate ways and bring us together again next week safely so that we can gather in your name. All these things we ask. Amen. Amen. You can feel free to remain here and, and worship. The team is going to continue to play a little bit. Um, if you have any questions or uh, you want prayer for anything, you can, of course, come up. I'm going to go out to the, um, to the Next Steps area if you have any questions about what Next Steps can be. Otherwise, we'll see you next week right here, same time. Can't wait. God bless you as you go.